Hey, we're at Hoagie's Garage. How's things going today, Toby? Great day. Super excited about this one tonight. Yeah. This is a new one for us. This is a new one. It's our first World of Outlaw guy. Well, kind of could say second. Brad Doty was a World of Outlaw guy, but he's retired from it now, obviously. So this is our first active World of Outlaw guy. Active. Very good. Very good. So, yeah, a little bit excited, a little bit nervous. I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> I'm super happy that he responded to me. and uh, Maybe this will get know, the ball rolling. We can get a few more yet. Yeah, well, I really hope so. So, uh, hey, when we come back, we will have Carson Macedo on. And um, if you have any issues hearing him, um, he's actually traveling from New where Mexico, were they? New Mexico, Oklahoma. right, Oklahoma. to Lawton, Oklahoma. So he's like, you know, I hope the sound's good, you know, when I was uh, texting him and stuff. So if it does cut out a little bit, it's it, that's why. But we're super happy to have him on. So we'll be on in a second like to thank Octane Inc. from T South Dakota. They pretty much do a little bit of everything. They are known for their wraps. They wrap golf carts, uh, snowmobiles, um, trailers, sprint cars, hobby stocks. It doesn't matter. Uh, side by sides, they wrap it. Uh, they also do coolers and they will also do clothing. You can have t-shirts made there. Um, you name it, these guys can do it. I work with Brett uh, Vanderbrink all the time. He is amazing, and I can't thank him enough for how much he helps me. And if I were you guys, I would definitely check out Octane Inc. You can contact them by calling 605-213-8343. It is 800 East Prescott in T, South Dakota. And again, they're just great people to work with. And we're here with Carson Macedo. Carson, can you just give us a little update about yourself, uh, family, stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's not really that much update. Uh, I'm just basically, uh, I don't have any uh, wife or kids or anything like that. Um, I, you know, my parents live in Lemoore, California. Uh, my grandparents live in, in Hanford, California. And really other than that, um, you live on the road. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I fly back to California as often as I can, but for the most part, you know, I'm out here racing on the world of Outlaw tour and, um, yeah, spend most of my time out all over the United States. So one of my questions I had coming up, I'll just ask it now, but for you, it's probably easier being out in California, but I was thinking the California swing was going to be a little, you know, tougher for everybody, but maybe it was easier for you. Yeah, I would say that time of year, some, you know, a time of the year that I always look forward to just because I get to basically race like a, like a local racer. Um, I get to spend a lot of time in my bed and, hanging out with my family and you know, spending time with a lot of people that, you know, I fly home most of the time during the world of outlaw tour on you know, certain occasions when it makes sense to fly back and, and enjoy the time that I get to spend with them. So, you know, being out in California racing with JJR on that world of outlaw tour is kind of uh, the best case scenario for me, being able to kind of have the best of both worlds. But 
unfortunately that doesn't get to happen all year long. So just do the best we can. I do the best I can anyway to, to fly home and get back to seeing my family and my friends and cousins and all that as, as often as I can. But, uh, yeah, ultimately for the rest of the teams, I'm sure that, you know, racing in California is probably not the most ideal. And even for me living there is really not the most ideal, but, um, you know, well, the West Coast swing is so short. Yeah, on the Outlaw Tour is just not a not a not really a uh, an ideal place to live. But at the same time, it's where my family's from. It's where my friends are from. It's where you know I've invested some of my money and some of you know, the real estate in in that state. So at this point, I'm kind of glued there, and uh, I don't plan on really you know living anywhere else. Hey, it's home. That's the main thing. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to you. For us central time zone people, I'm kind of glad the California swing's done. I mean, it ain't as good for you, but we get to watch the end of the races a lot earlier at night now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been such a challenge for California sprint car racing in general. Yeah. Um, so many people are like, well, why isn't California sprint car racing known on as, as national of a scale as local Pennsylvania, local Ohio, some of them other local uh series is like or at least local racetracks like williams grove and port royal and attica and fremont well you know for california people it's really easy you you get off work and then pretty much not far after that when you're having dinner or hanging out with your family you can watch the race and it gets done at a super reasonable time you go to bed oh yeah it's it's really nice but um for for people that live in Pennsylvania, Ohio, or yeah. Indiana, or Illinois, or any of these other states, it's really hard to, like you said, to stay up and watch all them events. So it sucks because I remember moving from California and you know going to the Midwest and trying to make it in the sport. A lot of people had no idea who I was or what what I had done because other than the outlaw races, you know, nobody from the Midwest or back east watches um, a lot of them races out there. So. Yeah. And, well, now at least we can. You know, we've said it before on our little deal here, but at least with Dirt Vision and Flow and stuff, we get the opportunity to watch them all now. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely helped. I think Dirt Vision and Flow in general have brought our sport to a totally different level, even on the World of Outlaw Tour. Uh, our sponsors and partners being able to watch is really important to us. So uh, I definitely think that it's made a big difference, and I'm glad to see it continue to, to better our sport. You bet. So... How, how did you get started in racing? I mean, I know you race and your brother races. Was it a family thing before that or just something you wanted to do? Yeah, so originally my grandparents. So um, my grandfather, Robbie Tarleton, his brothers with Tom Tarleton, who, you know, started Tarleton, Tommy Tarleton's dad. So that's kind of my connection with the Tarleton family. <laughs> you still there ant race okay. everybody kind of they, they none of them really race other than tommy and tom tarleton none of them really race sprint cars but a lot of them all race micros uh in in our area there the more by there's it's a really popular area for micro racing and uh, has been for a really long time so uh you know when i was just a little kid three four years old my grandpa had a quarter midget there that i just would kind of burn laps in his front yard and 
that sort of just progressed to it would turn in six or seven and then my dad bought me a junior sprint and I sort of just raced for my parents until I was about 12, 13 years old. And, um, you know, my dad was building a house in Lemoore and his business, he was in the process of getting out of and, or he really didn't have enough time to do it. And then financially it was kind of just turned into a little bit of a burden. And so he sold his stuff. And I actually raced a micro for, uh, a couple of different people over, you know, a, a short period of time there until I turned 15, 16. And, uh, and then the Tarleton family, and luckily for me, I was super fortunate to have the opportunity to, for them to give me a, a, a sprint car ride to start running some 367 California. And it sort of just progressed from there. I, I raced for them for a couple of years and, and I actually, after my second year had wrecked quite a bit of stuff and wasn't doing real good. And, Basically, then um, they kind of told me that I had a few races that we're going to you know, tr try and go a different direction. And so I, I ended up getting 10 races. And if I won races, I could add races because of the wins. And I ended up adding some races and going to race the Wednesday night of the Gold Cup race of champions and um, did pretty well. So they let me stay and run the two outlaw shows right after that. And I actually ended up winning the first outlaw show, uh, at the gold cup race of champions prelim night. And it sort of just progressed from there. I, after that, they really got on board with the race, my racing. Um, and uh, that following year I ran for the NARC King of the West championship. We were able to win the championship and sort of asked them to take their stuff to the Midwest. And they weren't really big on that. They didn't really have <laughs> Uh, instead they were, they were kind enough through, uh, the connection of Jason Myers, who has a, become a really good buddy of mine, he sort of connected them with Keith Coons and Keith was looking for a driver to fill his program. Uh, they kind of had the financial backing to pay. And luckily, you know, Tarleton's were kind enough to give me that opportunity. They paid for me to go race a midget for Keith for a year. And in that opportunity, I met through Jason Myers, Craig and Les Mintz, who you know, gave me a ride in Ohio for 10, 15 races. And we ended up winning the first weekend out. And so that kind of progressed into me running more races for them. Uh, and then through that, I met a few other sprint car, car owners. I actually ended up running like 21 different, different cars that year between Keith Coons midget, non-wing sprint cars, wing sprint cars, just all over the place. Did you say uh, 21 different? Cars? Yeah. 20, 21 different cars. Yeah. So, so then at the end of that year, I, I met Joe Gertie and Tim Norman and Joe Gertie basically gave me an opportunity to go to Charlotte and race with him. And, um, actually didn't do very well at all. Ran in C main both nights, uh, qualified really bad. And I, I honestly thought that, you know, I was driving all the way. I raced Charlotte, was driving all the way to LA from Charlotte in my car, uh, to go run the Oval Nationals at Paris. And, I uh, thought that he would never hire me or consider hiring me after doing so bad, but I don't know why, but he decided that he was going to hire me the following year. Craig and my Smith ended up shutting their team down, so it kind of just turned into sort of an easy transition. Um, and and so I ended up racing for Joe that following year, and we ran probably 50 or 60 races, and then uh, you know, that year came and gone, and then we decided the next year to gear up and run the All-Star Tour, 
And, you know, midway through that year, I ended up, you know, right at Ohio Speed Week, uh, making a deal with Kyle Larson to race on the World of Outlaws for the following year uh, in, in the two car that he had on the tour at that time. So, um, yeah, that I actually was able to bring Joe with me as my crew chief. And we raced the Outlaw Tour in 2019, 2020. Obviously, COVID hit and everything else uh, that year. And Kyle had you know, some things going on in his personal life that he ended up having to shut the team down. And then you know, the following year, I ended up making a deal with JJR. And that was last year. And now uh, here we are in 2022. So that's kind of the whole story and um, a really fast-forwarded version of it. But that's basically how I came from you know, driving junior sprints to now being – um, I, well, you know, if you count COVID as a full year, this would be my you know, fourth full-time year on the World of Outlaw Tour, the start of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were mentioning the two-car and Joe Garrity and stuff. And <clears throat> for guys like me, you know, you came, they rented that little track of ours in Rock Rapids that time you were here with the Outlaws. And I got to yeah. push you a bunch that night. And Joe Garrity was there. And, you know, and that was one of the big names with the Garrity Motors you know, and we didn't have dirt vision and stuff. I mean, you used to read about it in open wheel, and that was just a, a thrill for a guy like me just to sit there and push you all night. I mean, I had a blast. Yeah, we, uh, I appreciate that. We, you know, we were just trying to get it better all the time at the KLR, trying to make sure that we got a race car the best we could. And luckily, we had, you know, enough funding and budget to go do things like that, go test and rent tracks and just try and improve our program. So, um, yeah, that's basically what we were trying to do there. Just trying to try some things that maybe could make us, you know, give us that little bit of an advantage. So we actually did that a few times at KLR. I think maybe five or six times we, Sharon was one of them, uh, as well. And there was a few other ones, but yeah, it actually, believe it or not, you know, can really help your program if you, you get a track that's technical and you can try things and it stays kind of consistent. So luckily, you know, that, that night we, we felt like we learned quite a bit. So, um, it paid off. You bet. <laughs> that's, that's great. Hey, we're going to take a real quick break, Carson, and we'll be right back. Okay. The Laurel Ridge barn, it can host corporate events, fundraisers, award ceremonies, family reunions, photography studio time, and always weddings. This barn is absolutely spectacular. If you have not seen it, you have to go to their website, laurelridgebarn.com. Um, you can also call them at 605-951-0867. You can call or text that number. Again, that's 605-951-0867. They are located at 47677 Slip Up Creek Road. No, I didn't make that up. It's 47677 Slip Up Creek Road in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So if you have a wedding or any of those other things, give them a look because I'm telling you, this place is amazing. And we're back with Carson. Um... Can you give us a little, you know, how good is this team uh, that you're with right now, Carson? I mean, is this is this a championship quality team? Uh, I would definitely say that's that's the case. Jason Johnson Racing is uh, about as about as good as it gets, I think, out here on the World of Outlaw Tour. You know, 
we got Philip Dietz as our crew chief mechanic and um, and car owner. Actually, him and his wife Brooke Dietz have purchased the team from from Bobby Johnson uh, last year prior to me coming and driving a car. So um, between him and Clyde Knipp, uh, Clyde, you know, I don't maybe few people may, might recognize, you know, Clyde was actually on the World of Outlaw Tour as a driver at one point with his own team. So he actually has a lot of knowledge and background. He's our car chief. And then we have Nate Reffitz, who's uh, our tire guy and uh, does a really good job and consistently, um, you know, does an amazing job for our team as well. So um, I'm very fortunate to have a really good team behind me. Uh, they've been on the Outlaw Tour for a long time obviously with Jason Johnson and, and then David Gravel and, and now myself. So they've built a pretty pretty good program, and I feel like it definitely uh, you know, has elevated me to a different level as well as a driver, just being able to be in such a such a good quality car each night. But um, as far as, you know, the championship and stuff, we, uh, you know, I would be in the wrong sport or running for the wrong reasons if I didn't think that we were capable of winning the championship. I I definitely think that we are, and I definitely think that that is our ultimate goal, without a doubt. But um, you know, we just kind of are taking it one race at a time. We you know, are, are sitting, I think, third in points now, really close to second. We were actually second, leading in Nevada, and I was only two points, I think, ahead of Gravel, and now he's two points ahead of me. So um, a position. It's so <laughs> it's we're in third. Sorry. So uh, yeah. So you know. I really, I really think that we have a good shot. You know, we've ran pretty consistent so far this year. We've got a couple of wins, and uh, we're so early in the season. So, you know, more than anything, we're just focused on staying consistent, winning races, and putting their best foot forward each night. And I think, ultimately, if you just do that, you know, the championship sort of takes care of itself. So we're only, I think, 11 nights in, 10 nights in, or something like that. So uh, at a 90-race schedule, there's still – Still a lot of, of ball game left, and um, you know we're definitely not counting our chickens now. <laughs> no, no, it's it's like you said, it, the World of Outlaws. It's it's a it's a long season. It's a long lot of racing. Just how hard is it to deal with and get used to that? I mean, it's the traveling and the and the maintenance and all that goes on constantly. You know, and most part, it's a Friday Saturday most of the time. You know, they throw in some more shows during the week as the season goes, but. What's it like to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a challenging, challenging job. There's a lot of people that, you know, think that or, or have the idea in their head that, oh, this is what I would like to do. But then, you know, when it comes right down to it, that it's not so much about the traveling, I don't think. It's the, all the things that you have to give up in life um, in order to in order to do the world of outlaw tour that some people just aren't willing to do, you know, aren't willing to give up or aren't willing to take that risk or that leap to go, to go make that happen. So uh, it makes it much harder to have a relationship. That's for sure. You know, I'm lucky. I have a girlfriend who's really supportive she lives in California and she's a school teacher and I see her, you know, as much as I possibly can, but not definitely not all the time. And uh, it just, it makes it tough. You know, you, you, you miss, a lot of things that you know most people don't weddings and and um you know, just things that if if something's scheduled during a race night there's just there's no way you're gonna gonna miss i mean you you've made a commitment to go run the world of outlaw tour so um 
it, it makes it tough to, you know, do a lot of things that a lot of people think are really normal. I mean, even, even myself, you know, I own a couple of homes, but I don't really own one that I live in myself. I have a little place that I, that I rent. That's perfect. I mean, it's a great size for me, but you know, it just, it's hard to justify, um, buying a place that you're only going to live in, you know, and paying all those utility bills, gas, electric, all those things that are extremely high in California, just to, just to be there, like, you know, not very often at all. So, um, you know, there's definitely, (laughs) yeah, there's definitely, you know, and then I go to the, 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 you know, Australia in the wintertime to race with my buddy, Sean Dyson. So, um, it's just, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not there that often. It's, it's almost makes more sense to just, you know, I, luckily I have really good connections in Tommy and Tarleton and he's helped me out. And I have a little studio apartment that I just, you know, I, it's very, you know, he, he's very kind and has made it really cheap for me. And you know, it's given me the opportunity to be out here and not really kind of worry about anything at home and also have, you know, money to then invest in rental properties and things like that. But, you know, racing as much as I love it, you know, isn't going to be there forever. So I'm no. just... You know, I think it's super important to to uh, you know make good investments and make sure that you uh, set yourself up for when it's all you know not there anymore. So you bet. I uh, you know David Gravel is really good at uh, putting stuff on YouTube, but he had a video last week. He had that hard crash and at one thirty a.m. or whatever, he's driving the merchandise trailer and um, you know saying it's going to be a late night because they crashed on Friday night. Just how tough is that? I mean, I don't know if everybody realizes if if you do have a crash on Friday night, usually you don't race in the same place on Saturday. So you got to do all that traveling and get the car ready for the next race. How, how does, how do you guys make that work? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely difficult. You know, the guys luckily are professionals at what they do. And so, you know, when their backs are up against the wall, they, they definitely come out swinging and do a great job, you know, making sure that even if they have a tight time window or they don't, they're not going to get much sleep or, or whatever the case might be, they, they get the job done and they, they do a really good job at that. So, um, our backup car, a lot of the preparation in the winter time goes a long way when, in, when situations like that come up, um, you know, our backup car is 100% ready to go. All we would have to do is just, you know, bring it down, put shocks, wheels, tires, and wings on it, and it's it's ready to roll. So, um, you know, some teams do it a little bit different. They have, you know, a, a backup car that's 100% ready, which we have, and then we also have, and then they have maybe like a kit car. I know at KLR that was our situation. We had a, a car that was in front of the backup car that was really just a frame with no axles and um you know it had a lot of the running gear as far as like a steering gear and and a wing valve and and brakes and and uh, at least brake lines and all those things but it didn't have front end rear end you know there was a lot of things missing and um you know luckily at jjr here we you know we carry our primary car that we race we carry a backup car that's 100 percent ready and we also carry another car in the trailer that's a hundred percent ready other than just, you know, like I said, uh, wings, wheels, tires, and shocks, which takes no time. So, um, you know, we're pretty fortunate if we were landed in that situation, it, it, it would still suck and it would still add a lot of time to our process. But, uh, 
you know, we could make it work and still be 100% prepared with a backup car upstairs that's ready and everything for the next night. So, um, you know, we're in a pretty good spot. I'm thankful for that. I think that goes back to, uh, you know, my race team, Jason Johnson Racing and Philip Dietz and Clyde and Nate, you know, just being so prepared and really putting in the hours over the off season to make sure that um, if situations like that did come up during the season that, you know, we wouldn't miss a beat. So those, the, the spare cars you have, are they like exact? I mean, is the frame exactly the same? And is, are all those things exactly the same so that you're just used to it? Or is there a half mile frame and a short track frame? No, everything's 100% exactly the same. So, um, you know, we can stay consistent on what we do. We don't have, if we have miscellaneous this and that, you'd, you'd never be prepared. So now we keep everything 100% the same, and uh, it just helps helps our race team make sure that we, you know, don't end up with a lot of miscellaneous that, you know, we, we don't really know what we have, or it, it, just, it just makes it so much easier if everything's 100% identical. And then you were saying that the two backups were complete, so I'm assuming that means they both got motors in them. But then I'm guessing. No, so so sorry. That's that. So one of them does have an engine in it. The ba- okay, the primary backup then. Uh, the primary backup. The other one we would have to switch the engine. But okay. Again, that's really you know in the midst of a day, that's really not a big deal. Like wheels, tires, shocks, a frame. I'm sorry. Wheels, tires, shocks, wings, and a motor. I mean, these guys could have that done in literally an hour. Wow. So yeah, we've um, watched them switch them in fifteen minutes on Dirt Vision. Fifteen yeah, twenty minutes, they'll switch yeah. it. You know, from the heat race to the feature if they need to. Yeah, it's not ideal situations to do it that way, but it works. No, that's right. All right, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we'll be right back. DRG Mechanical in Leicester, Iowa. They can help you with whole house geothermal systems for heat, air, and hot water, leak repair, regular furnace and air conditioner maintenance, home comfort evaluation and system load analysis, construction and remodel planning assistance, new features for your kitchen and bathroom. They do it all. They are amazing. Uh, I'd even like to say that I used to work with them back when I was in high school and in college. Um, Just an absolute great company. Loved working with Dan Gerber, Davey Roman. Um, Just absolutely great, great people and a very well-run business. Give them a call. 1-800-745-6970. They have more locations than just Lester, Iowa. Um, but that's the one that I call home because there's no better place than Leicester, Iowa. Okay, like we're back, back Hoagie's Garage again. Sorry, I'm jumping into the question before I even say we're back. But um, we get to watch a lot of these races on TV now, which is just great for guys like us. Um, and then when a guy has a problem, you see all these other teams helping out, you know, changing wings and stuff. And it's just awesome to watch. But at the same time, we watch that, and those are the guys you're competing against, you know, and you'd almost think there'd be an advantage for them to not have you come back out. But So, so why, why is it that the camaraderie is just so amazing to us in the pits? 
Um, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think there is a huge advantage a lot of the times if a team doesn't can make it back out. But that's just not the way, you know, the way we do things. That's not the way. I don't feel like that's the the uh, the way the world of outlaws is, at least not the race teams. They, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, when you're a little kid, right? And your mom tells you, hey, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. Well, you know, at the end of the day, if you come into the work area, you probably would love it if all the teams helped you get back out and make sure that yeah. um, you're, you know, you're gonna have a good shot at winning that championship, or at least you know, salvage a night that's respectable so that you don't kill your shot at you know, get winning the championship. So, um, I think, you know, I think that uh, a lot of the teams just have that same mentality. They they want to help others so that if something were to happen to their car, well, then others would come and help them and try and make sure that they get back. The truth is, you know, all of us race teams, including myself, I assume, and a lot of the other drivers, we we want to win the championship, but we want to earn it too. So, um, you know, having a guy, you know, of course you take it if it happened, but if you're, if you're battling with, Brad Sweet for the championship, and there's two laps to go at Charlotte, and you're, you're within a point of each other. So whoever beats who wins, and then Brad's beating you by four or five positions, and he blows up. Well, yeah, you want it, but you you you'd rather just win it by beating him, right? Yep. So it's more it's more goes, self-satisfying or whatever you want to say. Yeah, so of course you're still going to take it. I mean, you're not going to turn down the championship check, no, that's no. for sure, but. But you know you're you're like in the back of your mind you 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 want to be you want to win it you want to earn it so um, I think that goes back to the work area thing you know I think a lot of teams are willing to help get that guy back on the track because you know they don't want to win races or win championships by guys you know not making it out of the work area because they got a flat tire or yeah, that sucks so um, I think that everybody just tries to help out as much as they can and a lot of the crew guys are friends and so uh, they want to help their buddies out and, and i can understand that so you bet so i i personally think that sprint car racing is probably at an all-time high um and i think a little bit of that is probably to do with dirt vision uh flow um i also think there's a lot to do with kyle larson um what what do you think has been the biggest? The, um, what was it? The Larson effect is what Lance Deweese called it. Yeah, Lance <laughs> Deweese calls it the the Carson effect or Larson effect. But what what do you think? What's what's helped promote sprint car racing to get it where it is today? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that I think that attention spans and the way that our generations have changed has has played into an effect a little bit um i definitely think that kyle has helped i think but i think that not only kyle but uh, you know other other cup drivers coming back and racing wing smart cars and doing well has helped uh i think that you know nascar cup teams are realizing how much it benefits kyle and other drivers like Alex Bowman and, and and guys that have come back and raced and chase you know Chase Elliott ran 
Charlton's car at the end of last year. It's yep. benefited them and made them better race car drivers, and they're winning cup races because, you know, not because of it, but it's helping them stay sharp when they're not racing a cup car, maybe in the off season or, or any chance that they can get to stay behind the wheel. You know, I think even for myself, I think you know, racing all the time, going to Australia in the off season and staying in the seat, just like Kyle does, you know, has helped me progress. And I definitely think it's helped Kyle. So, um, I would say that's you know, led NASCAR fans to sort of follow maybe more wing sprint racing because they see Kyle and Chase and 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 Alex Bowman. Uh, I think it's added definitely added some fans. As far as the intentions fan thing, what I meant by that is, you know, still a wing sprint car event is a long event. Like you get there if you go watch hot laps qualify, heat races, dash, and feature race. Well, that's a pretty long event, but. If you were to just queue in for the feature, it's pretty short and oh, it's yeah. quick and and it's and it's good entertainment for a short period of time. And that's what people enjoy nowadays. You know, people enjoy. You know, if you make a if you put a video on and set it in front of a you know a, a, most young people nowadays, that's over thirty minutes long. They're not gonna they're not gonna watch. And they're not gonna listen either for the most part, unless they're really really into it. But if you put a highlight video for about four to five minutes in front of them, no, normally they'll watch it and they'll enjoy it. So I think our phones and technology and all those things have played into that short attention span. And I think spur car racing compared to NASCAR has that, you know, aspect to it. Um, you know, sit down and watch a NASCAR race and it takes hours and hours, but sit down and watch a spur car feature and it might take 10, 15 minutes, but yep. it's, and it's great entertainment. It's a short period of time, so I think that's played into it. And then, I, you know, ultimately, like you said, Dirt Vision and Flow have absolutely brought it to a different level. Uh, I know people, family, and friends that you know, I raced my whole life, and they never followed hardly anything. And but now, because of Dirt Vision and Flow, and and really the pandemic, honestly. You know, we went racing before a lot of other sports or anything else was Absolutely. going on. And so a lot of people were just so happy to watch anything that they started tuning in to Dirt Vision. And then they kind of got hooked and enjoyed it. And then that's led to more viewership. And um, it's led to opportunity for the World of Outlaws and Dirt Vision to expand and flow and uh, with, with uh, you know, they cover, they don't cover the World of Outlaws, but they cover all stars and a lot of other things, you know, sprint car racing. So, um, yeah, I think it's brought it to a different level. I think it's also really helped us teams. Um, as much as it's helped the fans, you know, be engaged, it's also helped us teams because, you know, a lot of our sponsors have gotten involved because of the fact that they can sit at home no matter where we are in the country and watch on their vision. So it gives them something to be a part of that they can watch on the track every night. I remember – Tom and Tommy Tarleton saying that, that they would never send their car on the World of Outlaw Tour, the 21 car on the World of Outlaw Tour, uh, or, you know, really be involved in a World of Outlaw car because they could never watch. You know, if they kept their car racing in California, well, then they could always watch it. Well, now with their vision, you know, they sponsor this, you know, 41 team, JJR, and, and us and our race team here. And, um, they love it. They get to watch every single race, uh, no matter where they are. So uh, it's it's definitely added a a huge aspect to 
you know, fan engagement, sponsor engagement. And, um, you know, another one too, my uh, buddy, a really close buddy of mine and, and um, sponsor him and his wife, Felicity, Sean and Felicity Dyson. They ride race for them in Australia and they live in a different country all the way halfway across the world or, you know, all the way on the other side of the world. And they get to watch every race and they sponsor the 41 car. They, they, they are involved in my racing and, I just think that's special, and it's something that, until their vision, we've never seen before. So it's, it's definitely helped. Yeah, the biggest problem we have anymore in the garage here is we got three TVs on the wall, and then we get into the trouble once in a while that their features all start at the same time. And then we're trying to watch from TVs, and we lose track of things, and we have yeah. our own little struggles here too, you know. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And, and just for the record, I I actually emailed like NASCAR like five years ago already saying. You have got to change the way you guys do things. You have got to make things shorter because people aren't going to sit in front of a TV for four hours anymore, you know? Uh, and I think NASCAR's trying. You know, they've, they've implemented stages and they, they're trying. It's just it's just tough, you know. They're, their races are made to be long and, and it's, it's hard to maneuver that. Yeah, you bet. Um, another question here. This one's more for myself. I was just curious what what motor you guys are running now, and then after you answer that one for me, give you a chance here to mention your sponsors. You've mentioned your crew a couple times, but put in a good word for them, because I don't know if you're riding with them in the hall or now, but you want to keep them happy. Yeah, I'm definitely riding with them. They're all here. So um, We run small block Chevy, 410 cubic inch, uh, fuel-injected, uh direct drive there's that's it's pretty much the whole song and dance there it's a it's it's they make about 950 horsepower uh nowadays which is a lot for a for a small block you know v8 so 1425 um, pound car <laughs> yes so um but yeah no past that we've we've had um uh, dennis albaugh and albaugh uh come on board this year as our as our corporate primary sponsor and um they've been a huge asset to our team and definitely elevated jjr to a different level so i uh, definitely want to thank all of uh tarleton and son complete parts and equipment the durst family the sea valley transportation uh the boyd family liquid trucking uh the sage family bolts family banning associates myers construction um you know there's such a long list of of sponsors at JJR, so many people that have gotten involved um, and and have stayed involved over a long period of time. So, um, you know, Maxim Chassis, Kistler Engines, Factory Cane Shocks, uh, Border International. Uh, there's, there, there's a long list, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anybody, but uh, definitely thankful for all of them. We couldn't do it without any of them. So. Well, you keep having a good year like you're having, then they're in the you know, on the podium or on the winner's circle, you know, whatever you want to say at the end of the night. So that always helps, too, for the sponsors. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, what's what's the plans for the future? I mean, how long do you see yourself racing or, you know, whatever you want to share about the future? Um, I don't really know. You know, I mean, tomorrow's never promised, so just taking it day by day. I enjoy the World Outlaw Tour. I enjoy what I do. I I feel like it's rewarding. It's definitely a challenge. And um, as long as it keeps making sense, I'm going to keep keep doing it. Uh, you know, I, I probably realistically will race. You know, I don't 
necessarily want to be Sammy Swindell, uh, where I'm, you know, in my sixties or seventy, you know, yep. closest trying to race. But um, you know, Brad right now is thirty. Uh, I can't. I, I don't know exactly how old he. I think he's around thirty-seven or so. So, you know, I'm twenty-five. So. I, I would say that I would like to do it at least that long, uh, maybe, you know, till 40 or so, but you never know, right? Um, yeah. Just take it year by year, and and uh, as long as it makes sense, as long as I'm winning races and able to compete at that high level of competition every night, well, you know, I'll, I'll continue to uh, continue to, to do it. So I, I definitely enjoy it. I love what I do, and um, as long as it makes sense, I'll, I'll be out here. Hey, just – before you go, just some quick speed questions for you here, just to find out a little bit more about you. What's what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, probably vanilla. Cat or dog person? Dog. Do you have any other hobbies other than sprint car driving? I enjoy golfing. I play golf as often as I can. Uh, I love wakeboarding. Uh, I love snowboarding. Uh... Yeah, that's probably about really it. I mean, I, I enjoy playing basketball, too. I don't get to do it that often, but um, just every once in a while we'll get together and get, like we did here in California, actually, where David Gravel was out here staying with my cousin Drew Warner. Uh, and so, you know, now we've we've kind of made it a tradition to all get together and play basketball while we're kind of on the West Coast ring. So I have a lot of fun doing stuff like that. So when you come back to Houston's, because you're going to be there a lot this summer, uh, we, we'd be more than happy to take you out golfing if you want to go golfing when you come back this way. <laughs> okay, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you got a three-day show this year here, so we'll get to bump into you a lot pushing. So, um, yeah. Favorite movie that you have? Uh, probably Days of Thunder. There you go. First thing you drink when you wake up in the morning? Usually water. Now, you're from California, so you don't see a lot of snow, but you prefer snow or rain? Raw uh, snow. <laughs> you rather it be 105 or 5 degrees? 105. Favorite place to go out to eat? Teppanyaki. Uh, it's also called hibachi, uh, where they cook in front of you. And... Yep, yep. Yeah. That's awesome. What's your favorite holiday? Um, you know, I really like Thanksgiving, um, for a few reasons. I, I enjoy the fact that we all get together as a family. That's main number one, but it's just like Christmas really, but no gifts. And I enjoy that because I feel like Christmas gets wrapped up in gifts. Yep. It becomes stressful because you have to go buy, you know, it, it just, not, not that, that sounds like I'm the Grinch, but it just, uh, it's not, it's it, Thanksgiving is much more about just getting together and enjoying each other. And that's what it's supposed to be about, you know, so. You bet. Christmas is getting so commercialized for everything. Yeah, that's um, right. Going back to food, because I like to eat, what's your favorite thing to eat then? Favorite thing to eat is probably teppanyaki. I'd say hibachi. Yep, that works. Um, last last question is: What's the fastest you've ever driven on the highway? Uh, I think at one point I got uh, a car up to like 195. <laughs> Must have been a pretty good car. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice one. <laughs> I, tr I tried to, and 
Tommy Charlton just got a Tesla flat, but it gets there really fast, but it doesn't go past 165. So um, I thought that would give me the next. It's actually the fastest production car in the world. It goes zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds, but wow. um, it tops out at 165, which is. <clears> they got to govern and limit all that on some of them cars. Yeah. Keep guys from you going 200 mile an hour. Yeah, I know. That other one wouldn't go 200 either. I tried. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for being on, Carson. Uh, it's it's our first outlaw guy, so we're super, super thankful. Oh. And it's not only the first outlaw, but you're probably going to be the first uh, World of Outlaw Championship winner that we have. So best of luck on the season. That, yeah. Looking forward to seeing you around this summer. You get several, like I said, four trips to Houston. You get Knoxville, Jackson. We'll get to see you plenty this year. So, Okay, guys. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll Take care. Lester Days 2022 is August 20th. Put that on your calendar. It's going to be another great year. Um you know, last year we had a smoking competition, and we're going to do that again. We had fire truck rides. We had a uh, little kid uh, tractor pull, uh, golf ball drop. Um, you know, we're at, we're going to add some things that we think are going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going to, I think, have a glow run on Friday night, the night before. So... Just a bunch of fun things that are going on in the great village of Leicester, Iowa. Come and enjoy the day with us in Leicester. And we, uh, told, we're so lucky. Oh, you know, this I, is... <laughs> how could, I mean, how much better can it get for two guys to sit in a garage and visit with somebody on the World Outlaw Tour, traveling from one track to another in the hauler? Yeah, you know, I mean... We can't thank Carson Macedo enough. I mean, he nope. he did such a great job, and he did cut out a little bit here and there, but it, it really wasn't that bad at all. So, no. um, Well worth the listen I had, anyhow. I enjoyed it. Hopefully yeah. you do, too. Yeah. So uh, wish him the best, yep. and until next time. Yep. Take care, folks. <laughs>